Why not trust God again? I believe that was a prophetic word to somebody who's on the verge of giving up. Waving the white flag of surrender and walking away from life. Trust God again. You can make it. It's going to be all right. And I see victory for you. In the year 2012. Joshua 14 and 10. This is Caleb speaking. Joshua 14 and 10. And now behold. The Lord has kept me alive. As he said these 45 years. Ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses. While Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now. Here I am this day, 85 years old. As yet I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Now therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. Look toward your neighbor and tell your neighbor, give God something to look forward to. <laughs> tell the neighbor over on the other side, give God something. To look forward to. Now just turn around and say it again. Give God something, Give God something. to look forward to. Please be seated. I want to start out by telling you a fascinating myth. A fascinating myth from ancient Eastern literature. There was an insanely enraged king whose empire was in Central Asia. This king, King Shariar, hated women because the first woman that he had married, according to the myth, was unfaithful to him almost every time he had left the royal city. So to avenge himself, he had her put to death along with every man with whom she had been unfaithful. Now, I want to just pause for a minute and say that there is absolutely no justification for violence between a husband and wife. Uh, would you look over at your neighbor and say there's absolutely no justification for violence between a husband and a wife. If you can't stay there without fighting, get out right now. Because there is absolutely no just, I don't care what they do. Don't get yourself set up for a jail term and mad in-laws and craziness by fighting the person that you're living with. There's no justification for violence between a husband and a wife. But this king didn't know anything about that. He was a very violent person. So he had her killed along with every man with whom she had been unfaithful. And then he started marrying a new woman, according to the myth, every day. Promptly sentencing her to death on the next day. And executing her shortly thereafter. He was mad. Look at your neighbor and say, he was mad. 
Now, of course, all the single women in the kingdom were overwhelmed with terror because each of them felt that their day was soon to come. But one woman, the daughter of his chief executive officer, her name was Sharazad. She had a strategy that would not only save her life, but also the lives of all of the women in the kingdom. But to execute her strategy, she would have to marry the king. Her father was absolutely against this idea, but finally he consented to give her in marriage to the king knowing that she was an intelligent person. And if she had said she had a strategy, he believed that she really did have a strategy. They were married and after the wedding, everybody was depressed about what they knew was going to happen next. But to their amazement, the next day passed and Shahrazad was still alive. As a matter of fact, the following day and the following day and the following day passed and she was still alive. And everybody was overjoyed, but they were filled with questions about her survival. And it was discovered that on the very first night after the wedding, Shahrazad started telling the king a beautiful story. And just at the most dramatic moment, she stopped. And she said, I'm sorry, I can't finish the story tonight, but I'll finish it on tomorrow night. And the king was so enthralled, and he was so anxious to hear the next part of the story that he allowed her to live for another day. And when she finished the story, she immediately started another story. Stopping at the most dramatic moment and saying, I'm sorry, I can't finish the story tonight, but I'll finish it on tomorrow night. And he let her live on for another night. And of course, the next night she did the same thing. And the next night she did the same thing. And she lived on night after night until the king abandoned his plan and enjoyed a lifetime of beautiful stories. She brought safety to the other women in the kingdom. She ended the destruction. And the stories she told were stories like Aladdin and Alibaba and Sinbad the sailor and a host of others. And they were collectively called A Thousand and One Nights of the Arabian Nights entertainment. She was allowed to live and she preserved the lives of others because she created and fulfilled a king's positive anticipation. She stimulated and satisfied expectation and appetite. And she was allowed to live and remain the queen because she touched a very special place where the desires and the goals and the aspirations of a king resided. Now this myth that originated around the 9th century AD contains striking features that remind me of the story of man's redemption. That first unfaithful wife reminds me of Adam and Eve who were blessed to be in the Garden of Eden, in the palace, if you please. But rather than trusting God, and rather than obeying God who loved them and who had provided everything for them, they chose to trust and obey Satan. And they were unfaithful to the God that made them. And because of this, they lost the garden. And they were alienated and at odds with God. And the process of their death began. The disease of sin became embedded in their natures and then in the natures of all of their descendants. But then along came a man called Jesus, who like Sharazad had the capacity to initiate a strategy that would result in his victory over sin and his victory over death. And this victory would be not only for him, but for all who would believe in him. He was a unique man because he was the son of God. God the son came to earth in human form to reverse the effects of sin in the earth. 
He satisfied God's just demands and God's just expectation. He pleased God and he gave God something to look forward to. Thus he arose from the dead because he touched that very special place where the desires and goals and aspirations of the king of the universe resided. John 8, 28 says, Then Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing of myself. But as my Father has taught me, I speak these things, and he that sent me is with me, and the Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please him. And so Jesus said, I always do what pleases my father. And because of that, God raised him from the dead. He arose from the dead and he makes it possible for every one of us that believe in him to arise from the dead also because he created and fulfilled a positive anticipation in the heart of almighty God. The story of Jesus was so good that it outweighs all the bad stories that have ever characterized your life. I said the story of Jesus is so good that it outweighs and can reverse all of the bad stories that have ever characterized your life. I want to announce to somebody here today whose sins are not forgiven. I want to say to somebody who feels far away from God that your bad story is not all there is to the story and it's certainly not the end of the story. When you look over at your neighbor and say your bad story is not all there is to the story and it's certainly not the end of the story. I just want you to know it's not over until God says it's over. And God says it's not over yet. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. And behold, all things are become new. Those who have many friends are the ones who please their friends. Those whose personality, character, and behavior are pleasant to people have a way of attracting people and drawing people to them. And those who become friends of God are the ones who are pleasant in the sight of God. And they're the ones who give God something to look forward to. And if you can imagine a wicked and demented king who could be transformed into a panting admirer by a story, don't you know that a loving God who has already shown that he enjoys good stories will enhance your life if you please him. If we give God something to look forward to. So let's talk about a few things that God looks forward to because our success in the year 2012 is dependent on giving God something to look forward to. Giving God a reason for keeping us on this earth, giving God a reason for keeping us alive and for blessing us and for providing for us and for making ways for us. Are you here? If you want to give God something to look forward to, understand that God looks forward to productivity. Would you say that word after me, please? Productivity. Hallelujah. Everything God blesses, he expects it to be productive. His word clearly teaches that it's sinful and wicked to receive from God and then to fail to be fruitful and fail to be productive. Luke 12, 48 says, For everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required. And to whom much has been committed, of him they will ask the more. The more God does for you, the more God expects from you. Y'all don't like this message. In Luke 13 and 6, Jesus spoke a parable about a man who had a fig tree in his vineyard. 
And he came and looked on that fig tree for fruit, and he found no fruit. He said to the gardener, I've come for three years seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I found none. Cut it down. Why let it encumber the ground? But the gardener said, Lord, let it alone this year also, and I shall dig around it, and I will dung it. And if it bear fruit, well, if not, then after that, you can cut it down. Everybody say, this year also. The gardener said, give it another year. And for some in this room, this is that year. This is that time when the Lord is examining us and looking at us to see if we're going to become productive. To see if we're going to become fruitful, if we're going to bring forth. Jesus came upon another fig tree in the way and, and he looked for some fruit on that tree and found no fruit on the tree and the Bible says he cursed the tree and said let no fruit ever grow on you again and the next day when they came back the fig tree had withered and it had died. Jesus said in John 15 and verse 1 I am the true vine my father is the vine dresser Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it, that it may bear more fruit. And herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, and that you shall be my disciples. In verse 15 he said, no longer do I call you servants. For a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I call you friends. For all things that I heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Jesus is saying, everything God told me, I've told it to the church. I've told it to my people. And, 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 and then he goes on to say, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Listen, while you're being productive, while you're bearing fruit, while you're working for the Lord, God said, when you're about my purpose, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it unto you. And so Jesus looks for productivity in our lives. He looks for souls. He looks for the works and the fruit of the Spirit. He looks for good works. He looks for us to lift somebody, to help somebody. If I can help somebody as I pass along. If I can cheer somebody with a word or with a song. If I can show some traveler that he's traveling wrong, then my living has not, be, has not been and shall not be in vain. How many of you don't want your living to be in vain? You know, that master called forth his three servants. He gave uh, one five and one two and another one talent. And, and he went away on a journey. And, and while he was away, one buried his talent while the others doubled what had been invested into their hands. And the Lord said to that wicked servant who had buried his talent, you wicked an unprofitable servant. Uh, you should have put my money in the bank. You should have gained an interest. You should have done something to gain some benefit from what you've had, what, what I gave to you. But now I'm going to take what you've got and I'm going to give it to the one that has 10 talents. That seems to be a very strange strategy to me. Because we usually try to help the folk who are pitiful. But when you look over at your neighbor and say, God does not do pitiful. God does profitable. God says, unto him who has, more will be given. But unto him who has not, even what he has shall be taken away. I don't know about you, but I'm going to work. I'm going to pray. I'm going to labor so that when I come to the end of 2012, I can say, Lord, here's something that shows uh, I was working for you. Here's something that shows I'm grateful for being your servant. Here's something that shows uh, that you'll have something because I'm saved that you might not have if I were not saved. I want to give you something to look forward to. Is there anybody here who wants to give God something? To look forward to. Then you've got to understand that the Lord looks forward to productivity. 
But there's something else that the Lord looks forward to also, and that is obedience. Would you say that after me? Obedience. God has every right to demand our obedience. I said God has every right to demand our obedience. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It's in God that we live. It's in God that we move. It's in God that we have our being. And God is the all-wise God. And the Bible says that there is a way that seemeth right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding in all of your ways. Acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. And God says all my wisdom is available to you to guide you every day of your lives, but I expect obedience from you. I look forward to obedience. And Jesus said, lo, I am come in the volume of this book as it is written of me to do thy will, O God. And every child of God who wants to give God something to look forward to ought to say, God, I'm here to do your will. I'm here to say yes. I tell you how E.V. Hill used to always say whenever he'd pick up the phone when I call, Blake, whatever it is, the answer is yes. And I'm praying that somebody in the house today will say, Lord, whatever it is, in 2012, the answer is yes. We are God's people seeking God's way for us and our descendants through obedience, through prayer, and through the word of God. And so God has every right to expect our obedience. Jesus, the very son of God, gave God obedience. For the Bible says he humbled himself and became obedient even to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And the Bible goes on to say that God has highly exalted him and given him a name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Christ is Lord of all. Because Jesus obeyed, he was exalted. And if you will obey, you will be exalted. You will be lifted higher than you've ever dreamed you'd be able to go. Obedience is essential to answered prayer. I said it's essential to answered prayer. How many of you want your prayers answered? Well, 1 John 3 and 21 says, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God that whatsoever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Some of you want your prayers answered in the year that is to come. And the Bible says you'll get your prayers answered if you keep his commandments. And do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And so obedience is necessary to answered prayer. Amen, lights. I, I, I'm going to have to depend on the lights today to help me with this. How many of you know obedience is essential to answered prayer? But then beyond that, obedience to God will affect our human relationships. You get things right, but God people will fall in place. For Proverbs 16 and 7 says, when a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. So if you want your relationships to get in shape, your relationship with your husband, your relationship with your wife, your relationship with your boss, your relationship with people on the job, just please God. And God will take care of your enemies. Does anybody know God can take care of your enemies? Obedience to God will cause success and prosperity. God can do more in one moment of favor than you can do in a lifetime of labor. You can work all your life, 50 years, 60 years, and not be as far ahead as you can be when God says, I'm just going to bless you. <laughs> Go on and be blessed. Clap your hands and give praise to the Lord. I said obedience to God will cause success and prosperity because I read over in Romans 8, 28, for we know 
that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, to them who are the called according to his purpose. So just serve God, love God, and God will work things out for you in 2012. How many of you believe God's going to work things out for you? Oh, bless the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Obedience is necessary if we are to receive the anointing and the power of Almighty God in our lives. When we give God something to look forward to, we give generously. I know I turned the corner on you then. Look at your neighbor and say, he said, we give generously. When we give generously, we give God something to look forward to. Let me read the Bible, Philippians chapter 4. And verse 15, where Paul said, But you Philippians know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. And then he said one verse later, verse 19, And my God, because of your generosity, because of your support, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now, I know we love to repeat that. My God shall supply all my need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. But that verse was in response to their generosity. That verse was in response to their giving. And he said, because you've been faithful in giving, because you've taken care of my work and taken care of my will, I'm going to supply all your need according to my riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Listen, God will bless a blesser. And when God finds a blesser, he'll keep a blesser in business. I just try to keep on giving, keep on sharing. And then I go back and say, Lord, I need some more so I can give some more. And God will always bless the giver. Does anybody know God blesses givers? Lord, help me preach this message if I got to preach it all by myself. Giving is the way we express our love for God. Anything you love, you will give to. If you're always taking and taking and taking, you don't love what you're receiving from. You just like to receive. But somebody help me today. So giving is the way we express our love for God. Giving is the way we say thanks to God for all that God has put in our hands. And if you don't give, you're not really thankful because all week long the Lord blesses us all year long the Lord provides for us he provides in his word laws and principles by which we are to be blessed and then God stands by with 10,000 blessings in the palm of his hand waiting to see who's going to put the principle of sowing and reaping into effect in their lives and when God sees a giver God steps up and he keeps that giver in business and when you sow into the vineyard of the work of God God will sow into your life beyond your highest imagination for the Bible says it is God that giveth you power to get wealth that you may establish the kingdom of the Lord how many of you know God is a blessing God a way making God Oh, bless the name of God. Look at your name and say, it's almost through now. When you walk by faith, I said when you walk by faith, you give God something to look forward to. When God sees you trusting him again, relying on him again, God receives from you something that he can look forward to. You know, God does not want you dodging and jumping at every shadow. God does not want your heart filled with worry and with fear. Some folk are walking in fear and terror and worry and stress is sometimes as common inside the church as it is on the outside uh, of the church. But the Bible says in 2 Timothy 1 and 7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You need to write that down. 2 Timothy 1, 7, whenever worry would come into your life, whenever fear would overwhelm you, and you would come to the point that you don't know what to do, where to go, which way to turn, just look at the devil in the eye and say, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power 
and of a sound mind. Devil, get out of my way. I ain't going to be a scared of you anymore. I'm going on about my business in the power of Almighty God. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, go on in the power of Almighty God. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 25, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to drink. Don't worry about your body. Don't worry what you're going to put on. Your life is more than food and your body is more than clothing. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things shall be added unto you. Is that the word of God or is it not? If you began to seek God and his kingdom, began to seek God's righteousness, God says, I'm going to add into your life. I'm going to sow into your life. I'm going to bless you because you're walking by faith. You're walking by trusting in the Lord. And we walk by faith and we don't walk by sight. And so God blesses us when we walk by faith. Look at your name and say, trust God again. Tell somebody else, trust God again. I know it seems your world may be on the verge of falling apart, but the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. And listen, if you believe God, the Bible says Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness and child of God. If you believe God, if you trust God, God will bring you out all right. The things that we see are temporary. But the things that we don't see, they are eternal. And the very God of eternity responds to us when he sees us trusting in him. And when he sees us relying on him. And when you walk by faith, God begins to smile on you. When you walk by faith, God begins to open a way for you. When you walk by faith, you walk into God's treasure house and you receive the blessings of God because faith is the lever. Faith is the instrument by which we can reach in to God's treasure house and receive the blessings that we need in our life. But when we praise God, when we praise God, we give God something to look forward to. Will you tell your neighbor when you praise God, you give God something to look forward to. For praise is one of the ways that we articulate our faith. Look at your neighbor and say, praise is one of the ways that we articulate our faith. Hallelujah. Anyhow, when misfortune comes your way, you can lift your hands to God and say, hallelujah, anyhow. Faith says I'm praising you because I know you're going to bring me out. I'm praising you because I know you're working it out. I might be under, but by your power, I'm going to be over. I might be behind, but by your power, I'm going to the front of the line. I'm believing you, and so I'm not going to wait until the battle is over. I'm going to praise you right now because praise is the expression of faith. If your body is sick, if your funds are low, if you're locked in on all sides, don't cry and moan and wait for God to bring you out, but praise your way out of it. Because as you praise him, the Lord begins to open doors and knock down barriers and take you into your destiny. But not only is praise a way that we articulate our faith, but praise is something beautiful that we give to God. The Lord said, I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Praise is a beautiful and pleasant to the eyes of the Lord for the praise of the upright is comely to the Lord. Clap your hands and praise him. Help me glorify. Help me magnify him. Praise is the way that we boast about our God. So many folk are boasting about their house. 
boasting about their bank account, boasting about their car, but I'm going to boast in the Lord Almighty, the God who is strong and mighty. When I was down, he brought me up. When I was lost, he found me. When I was filled with sorrow, he gave me joy. I'm going to boast about it. And the Bible shows, says, the humble shall hear thereof and be glad. You can make somebody glad when you praise the Lord. You can lift somebody when you praise God. Because when they hear of what God has done for you, they began to believe him for a blessing in their own life. Tell what the Lord has done in your life because somebody else is at the place you were before the Lord brought you through. And if the Lord brought you out, your praise will let them know that the Lord can bring them out also. Grab your neighbor by the hand and say, oh neighbor, just what the Lord has done for me, he'll do the same thing for you. Hallelujah. Let me say something else about praise. Praise is the way we release the forces of God against the forces of evil. I said through praise, we release the power of God against the power of the devil. For in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and 22, the Bible says, now when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were all defeated by the power of God. While the people were praising God, God began to defeat their enemies. And child of God, while you praise Him, your enemies are being destroyed. Your debts are being evaporated. Your obstacles are being removed. Just keep on praising Him. Keep on blessing His name. Keep on glorifying God. Help me praise Him. Help me praise Him. Praise is the throne that we give God to set upon. I said praise is the throne that we give for God to set upon. For Psalm 22 and 3 says you are holy and you are enthroned in the praises of Israel. It's rude not to give a guest a seat. If you make a guest stand up and don't give him a place to sit down, it means you don't want that guest to abide in your house. But when you say have a seat and make yourself comfortable, then you're saying I want you to stay for a little while. And when you say, God, I praise you, I magnify you, I glorify you, you're saying, Lord, I want you to stay with me throughout 2012. I want you to lead me throughout all this year. So by praising you, I'm providing a throne for you to sit and abide in my life. Come on, praise the Lord. Come on, praise the Lord. Come on, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. When you obey God, you give God something to look forward to. When you walk by faith, you give God something to look forward to. When you praise God, you give God something to look forward to. And so in the text for today, Brother Caleb gave God something to look forward to. In Numbers 13, the spies were sent out into the land to explore the land. Ten spies came back with a bad report. We're not able to take the land. We're like grasshoppers in their eyes and in our own eyes. But Caleb and Joshua gave God something to look forward to. They said, we're well able to take the land. We're well able to do the job. We're well able to overcome them. Look at your neighbor and say, by the power of God, we are well able 
tell your neighbor you can make it, you can do it, you can overcome. Faith gives God something to look forward to. And so God decreed not one of the ten, not any who believe them, is going to go into the land. But because you, Caleb, and Joshua, you believe me, you trusted me, I'm going to take you into the land. When you give God something to look forward to, folk can fall on your right and on your left, but you'll keep on walking by the power of God. When you give God something to look forward to, others may not make it, but you're going to make it by the power of Almighty God. Fast forward now, about 40 years, everybody who was an adult of that original generation has passed away now. Moses is gone. Nobody's left but Joshua and Caleb. They got together, had a conversation. Joshua said to Caleb, man, we made it to the promised land. Aren't you glad that we gave God something to look forward to? And Caleb said, yes, I'm glad that we gave God something to look forward to. But I don't believe he brought me this far to leave me. I'm 86 years old, but I'm not tired yet. I don't care how old you are. God still has something else left for you to do. And so Caleb said, God is not through with me yet. I'm not ready to die yet. But I've learned the secret. If I give God something to anticipate, God will keep me alive. And I came by here to tell you that if you give God something to anticipate, God will keep you alive. You can't die till God gets through with you. And as long as God has a work for you to do, God will keep you on this earth. So I don't know about you, but every day I'm trying to find something to do for my God. Every day I'm trying to find something by which I can serve my God and say, God, don't take me yet. There are more souls to save. There's more work to be done. Oh, bless the name of God. And so Caleb said, I'm 86 years old, but I'm not tired yet. I want to do something else. I'm going to find the roughest, toughest neighborhood in the land of Canaan. And I'm going to take that over. And I'm going to work for it for the Lord, my Savior. I'm going to give my best unto my God. And it may be that the Lord will help me. The Lord will enable me. Give me this mountain. I believe that the Lord will help me. Will you raise your hand and say, Lord, Lord, give me the mountain. I'll climb it. I'll take it. I'll bring glory to your name. I'll praise you. I'll work for you. Give me the mountain. Give me the mountain. Yes. 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 If you dedicate them, your life to God, God will take you higher than you've ever been before. Joshua said, all right, go on and take it. Caleb walked up in the power of Almighty God. He took the mountain. He destroyed the enemies. He brought them down. He occupied that territory for the Lord. And you need to say, Lord, is there any territory I can occupy for you? Lord, is there anything I can do to bring glory to your name? Is there a story I can tell you that you might enjoy? The Lord loves real good stories and he writes them a real good script for our lives. And if we follow the script, God will give us victory and God will give us power. 
Psalm 139 and verse 16 says, Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they all were written for me, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there was none of them. In other words, God has written the script of your life, and if you'll follow the script, you give God something to look forward to. If you follow the script, you bring to pass God's purpose in your life. For the Lord has chosen us in Jesus before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. And the Lord says, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and to give you a hope. Look at your name and say, I've got a future and I've got a hope. God gave it to you and God will bring it to pass. Don't you worry if you walk in the will of God and if you follow the script, the devil can't stop you. The devil can't block you. For Philippians 1, 6 says, He that hath begun a good work in you shall perform it until the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you follow the script, God will. I said God will bring it to pass. Look at your neighbor and say it shall, it shall, it shall come to pass. So child of God, child of God, I see you in the future and you look much better than you look right now. You're standing in January. January 1, 2012, but I see you in December, December 31st, 2012, shouting the victory. I see you in December 2012, blessed and not cursed. I see you in December 2012, shouting and praising God. I see you in December 2012, enjoying the blessing of the Lord, praising him for how he brought you, praising him for how he taught you, praising him for how he made a way, praising him, praising him. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, I see myself in December 2012. In December, I've got the victory. In December, I've got the power. In December, I'm an overcomer. In December, I finished the year in victory. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, bless his name. Everybody stand and praise him. Oh, bless his name. Some of you are giving God a January praise. You're thanking him that you made it. But I'm not just going to give God a January praise. I'm going to give him a December 2012 praise. I'm not going to wait until the battle is over. I'm going to shout. Oh, shout. Oh, praise him. Oh, praise him. I'm going to give him December praise. I'm going to look back with the eyes of faith and say, The Lord has done great things for me, and I'm glad about it. Hallelujah.
But it's going to be all right. Your husband or your wife may be going crazy, but it's going to be all right. When you look at your neighbor one more time and say, it's going to be all right. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I speak peace in this room. I speak healing in this room. I speak deliverance in this room. Lift up your hands and receive the miracle of God. The blessing of God is yours in Jesus' name. It's yours, it's yours, it's yours. Be healed, be delivered, be set free. The miracle working power of God is at work in this room right now. In the name of Jesus. Lift up that hand and say, thank you, Lord. I received my miracle in Jesus' name. Are you giving God something to look forward to.